Breaking up is hard to do, but when it comes to your wireless carrier, you should have left a while ago. You're over the big three carriers. You deserve better. Xfinity Mobile. Now you can get unlimited with 5G included for just $30 a month on the nation's fastest, most reliable network. So break free from the big three and save with Xfinity Mobile. Take the savings challenge at XfinityMobile.com slash MySavings to see how much you can save when you get Xfinity Mobile and Internet together. Reduced speeds at 20 gigabytes per line. Most reliable based on Metrics U.S. report. Results vary, not an endorsement. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, we've got the latest on Retribution, a superstar switching brands. What is going on with Alexa Bliss? And let's go ahead and make it in your face. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. All right, here we go. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Here we are. Happy Monday. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Thanks again to uh, Ryan from WrestleBotch. For doing the show last week, that video is uh, up, if not now, then soon at youtube.com slash NotSam. Of course, like every video, it goes up first for the NotSam shills at patreon.com slash NotSam, as does this very video uh, live as we're doing it, as a matter of fact. But there's a lot to talk about today, so much so that uh, we're not doing an interview. It's a news-packed show. And look, I mean, I'm watching SmackDown this week. And something really hit me as I was watching SmackDown. You might even say that this thing that hit me was in my face. Yes, raw, in your face, in your face, in your face, several times over and over and over again. Uh, They mentioned in your face uh, in between every single match that they announced. First of all, the fact that they announced all those matches on Friday. So... They announced a ton of matches uh, in advance of Raw, and they did this on a Friday, which usually we don't find out what's going on on Raw until an hour or two before the show. The matches that they announced are big, theoretically, pay-per-view quality, at least in terms of uh, building, pay-per-view quality on paper matches. Uh, And it had that tagline, uh, in your face, Every time uh, they had the opportunity to say it in between each match on the graphics, it said in your face raw. It used to say Monday night raw. Now it says in your face raw. And I don't know if we're looking at a new tagline for all Monday night raws. I don't know if this is maybe like a, like a clash of the champions thing. Uh, No, I'm sorry. That clash of the champions is now a pay-per-view. Oh, I was thinking old school TBS special Clash of the Champions thing, but let's say Saturday night's main event where every quarter we get one in your face raw. Like usually you just get raw, but then every couple of months we get an in your face raw and an in your face raw is one that you just can't miss. I don't know. I don't know, but this is, this is a thing. Or maybe it's just the fact that we've got to realize that in 2020, the WWE is going to add a subtitle to every single show that they have. I mean, all we've got left is NXT and SmackDown, theoretically. We've had a subtitle on uh, every pay-per-view since WrestleMania, actually. Every pay-per-view of the quarantine era, we've had a subtitle on. WrestleMania was too big for one night. Uh, Then, uh, I feel like we had something for Money in the Bank. I don't remember what it was, but I'm sure that there was some kind of subtitle. Money in the Bank. There goes our corporate building. Something like that. Uh, You had Extreme Rules Horror Show. You had SummerSlam. You'll never see it coming. You've got Clash of Champions Gold Rush coming up. I'm assuming that in October we'll see Hell in a Cell. How are they going to get out of here? (laughs) Or something like that. I don't know. I feel like Hell in a Cell is probably the most descriptive name for any pay-per-view in WWE history. So the uh, the idea that they would have some kind of subtitle after Hell in a Cell would be pretty remarkable. Uh, Hell in a Cell, even hotter than you think. Maybe. How about uh, 
Hell in a Cell, we use red cages now. Something like that. That could be fun because, you know, they did a couple of years ago introduce the red cage. Um, hell in a Cell, settling the score in hell. That's something. That's actually, uh, I kind of like that. I kind of, I think that that might be kind of fun. I don't know. I don't know what the tagline will be. Uh, and then will taglines get added to NXT and SmackDown? Like, you know, NXT. We're not in the Thunderdome, but the wrestling is real good. I, that's a long tagline. Um, uh, how about next? Maybe now NXT. No, that's too long. That doesn't. It's wordy. What about SmackDown? Know your role, SmackDown. You could just add more phrases from The Rock. You know, Jabroni and SmackDown are both in the dictionary now, so maybe it could be SmackDown no Jabronis. Maybe I don't know. I just think it could be interesting. I hope that In Your Face is not the tagline for Raw going forward. I hope that every single Monday Night Raw that we watch is not uh, is not an In Your Face Raw because, you know, I feel like at some point... Um, okay, Marsh is saying that the poster for Money in the Bank said, the risk is worth the reward, but it didn't feel like a tagline. I still count it as a tagline. Money in the Bank, the risk is worth the reward. Maybe they saw WrestleMania and then they watched Money in the Bank and maybe there was a meeting. What'd you guys think of Money in the Bank? Oh, I thought it went really good. I thought the match, you know, it was fun. You do it in the corporate building and everything. Yeah, but you know what it was missing? What? Tagline. Risk is worth the reward. We can do better than that. How about in your face? I don't know. You know, I thought, uh, oh, Backlash. How could I forget Backlash? Backlash, the greatest wrestling match ever. And I know you're saying, well, that was just the name of a match. But if you remember, in the beginning, the graphics of every match said Backlash, the greatest wrestling match ever. So I I, st- I think that the greatest wrestling match ever certainly counts as a tagline. And, you know, all these taglines actually have been paid off. I'd say the taglines have been paid off more so than almost anything in, in entertainment, not just wrestling, right? Too big for one night at WrestleMania was indeed... Over the course of two nights, the greatest wrestling match ever. One of the matches was the greatest wrestling match ever. Uh, Gold Rush. That's going to be tough to pay off. I feel like if Clash of Champions is only like an hour and 45 minutes long and, you know, just everybody was trying to get the titles as quick as they possibly could, then I think Gold Rush would work as a, as a, as a possibility. Um Horror show, you know, they had their horror show match. You'll never see it coming. You know, I didn't think Roman Reigns was going to come back and turn heel. I didn't see that coming. So maybe Raw will be in my face uh, tonight. Maybe it will be completely in my face. Let's look at what we've got announced for In Your Face Raw. Uh, Drew, so, okay, so we already knew going in, Mickie James versus Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship was already announced. Now, uh, Mickie James just won her first singles match in many years uh, on Monday Night Raw. However, she does have uh, a strong history. She does have a strong resume going into this. Mickie James is Mickey James is like Natalia in the sense that they're just great break glass in case of emergency performers. If we need a number one contender immediately, I think, both Mickey James and Natalia can both always fill those roles. There, for for Natalia, I mean, she could be on main event for six months. She could be doing nothing, and if you just come one week and announce that hey, she's going to get the next shot, I'm like, yeah, she deserves it. I like that now she's running with the storyline of. By the way, I've got the most wins and matches of anybody in WWE in the women's division. Because it's true, you forget how long, how much longer uh, Natalia's been there and how many more matches she's had than everybody else. Because that's the other thing about Natalia is she wrestles all the time. Because not only for Natalia is she, uh, anytime we need a number one contender, she's there for it because people will take her seriously. But anytime we need a match, Natalia's going to be there for it. Natalia's a very unique performer. She can fit into a number one contender spot. She can quickly turn heel or face. She can, she can be a, a, an enhancement person with credibility. You know, she could be a person that is losing matches to new women coming on the roster in order to get them over and then still be able to show up 
two weeks later and get the shot at the women's championship and have us go like, yeah, I don't think she'll win the title this time, but I'm here for this match. Natalia's a very unique performer in that sense, and maybe that's what they're trying to build with Mickie James. I can't imagine a world that Mickie James beats Asuka. I mean, nobody is supposedly ready for Asuka. Asuka has beaten just about everybody there is to beat on the roster. Um, but looking forward, you're going, okay, right now, Asuka's kind of got problems with Natalia. You know, I mean, is, is that the idea that that Asuka beats Mickey James, they shake hands, but then Natalia comes in and Natalia gets the title shot at Clash of Champions? I don't know, because I feel like, who do you have on Raw right now? Technically, Sasha Banks is a Raw superstar, I think. I don't. I have no idea, to tell you the truth. But she's still wrapped up with Bayley right now. Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax are wrapped up with each other, either being the tag champs or being rivals. You know, one would have to imagine that as soon as they're done, unless they're going to put the title on one, unless they're going to break up uh, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler and put the title on one of them and have them go head-to-head for that championship. But even then, it's like you got no more tag teams. Maybe you're going to try to build up Peyton Royce. You know, she got a pretty resounding victory over Billy Kay on Raw on Monday. Like, it, it was not... I thought he, uh, from from character development to presentation of character to the way the match went, to the length of the match, to the amount of offense each person got in the match, to even the way the match ended, I thought there was no doubt in my mind that that Peyton Royce is being groomed here to try to be a star. Uh, people were wondering, well, why would they have hugged after that match? I think that the idea is that they don't want Peyton Royce to be connected to the Iconics world anymore. They want a clean split between Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. And if Billy Kay, if Peyton Royce beats Billy Kay, and then they still kind of hate each other after that, they're still kind of connected. Think about a breakup in life. Think about any relationship you've been in. Uh, it's like, if you hate an ex, you really still love the ex. Hate and love come from that same emotion. If you're like, well, we're not going to be together anymore, but we're still cool. That's when it's like, you've really both moved on. So Billy Kay and Peyton Royce hugging it out on Raw was like, okay, they're not even mad at each other anymore. Like they've moved on. And I think that that is because WWE wants to present specifically Peyton Royce as a big-time star. I wouldn't be surprised if they split brands. I, I I would imagine there's a draft coming up next month. They haven't announced anything, but I would imagine next month we're going to see a draft. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see those two split brands just so there's even more separation. Uh, not that I'm pro that. I love the Iconics as an act. But it just as I'm watching Peyton Royce come out too, there was something about the way Peyton Royce presented herself where it was like, okay, I see that. I think that, you know, she's, she's there. There's a lot of thought being put into that character already in her facial expressions and the way she walked and the way she looked at the Thunderdome audience. Uh, I thought it was all there. So uh, maybe that's the thought. Maybe the idea is that Peyton Royce gets into a position where she could be a legitimate contender. Maybe they'll give her a victory over Asuka just to like kind of shock the world a little bit. You know, maybe it made me look. If you want to really show the world that Peyton Royce is not a member of the Iconics, that she is a singles competitor and she's a, a force to be reckoned with, hell, have her spend the next few weeks beating people and then beat Oscar for the title. Put the title right on her. WWE's got to do more stuff like that. WWE's got to take a lot more chances, especially on younger talent, especially on talent, on talent that isn't so established. It's like, you know, you see a lot of going back to uh, the tried and true. And while that's dependable, that's not good for growth. That's not good for building new stars. Um, and I think that that's something that WWE needs to take into account. I think you have to have a healthy balance of new stars and chances being taken and those pillars of the company. Ultimately, if Oscar were to lose to Peyton Royce, she wouldn't be demolished. She'd be okay. She she would recover from that. I mean, if you remember, after Asuka lost to... Sh 
Charlotte, I want to say. She disappeared. She was nowhere to be found. And that was one of those things where it was like, I don't know, man. Oscar used to be somebody. But then she showed up, started teaming with Kyrie Sane. She started doing the act where she was acting like a lunatic. She started jumping on commentary. And, like, people get Asuka fever all over again. Asuka's the type of performer that could take a lick and keep on ticking. Asuka can take a loss to Peyton Royce. Asuka can make somebody and still be Asuka. Asuka, I don't think, you'd have to work to get to a point where Asuka is not a star. You'd have to put work in. She'd have to lose a lot and get no promo time whatsoever and lose the mist and change her outfit. Like, you'd have to do a lot of work to get to a point where Asuka wouldn't be taken seriously. So, in the meantime, why not use her to build somebody else? I think the women's division does need it. You know, I think new stars need to be uh, built in the women's division right now. If you're going to start splitting up tag teams, you better be making a big star out of at least one of them because you got very few tag teams staying together, especially in the women's division. Men's division too, but especially in the women's division. So if you're going to do something like split up the Iconics, which is like, there's not too many, I can't think of, uh, you could say the Riot Squad, but not really because they've already broken up. The Iconics was probably the only specialized tag team brand of the women. You go back and you look at tag teams. You look at Demolition. You look at the Bushwhackers. You look at the Rockers. You look at the Hart Foundation before they split up and Brett became a singles guy. You look at the Road Warriors. You know, you look at these teams and you don't see individual performers as much as you see a team. You don't, you don't sit there and go like, oh, I can't wait for the split to happen. I mean, it did happen in a lot of those cases, never really with the Road Warriors. They did end up parting ways, but they didn't have an on-screen split. The, the, the team never, you know, that never really happened. But, you know, of course, the Rockers split, one of the most famous splits of all time, the Hart Foundation split. Um, but, the, but you still look at those teams, and when they were teams, you weren't going, okay, this guy is a star, and this guy is that. You were looking at, like, okay, this team is the act. And the Iconics were the act, and there's no other women's teams that are strictly tag team specialists like that. And that is something that helps promote a women's tag team division, which you have a title for, in play. So, what are you going to do? Well, if you're going to split up the one team that's a cemented team, let's make Peyton at least a star. I think Billy Kay could be a star, too. I think Billy Kay is one of the most entertaining people in WWE. I think... If you want to give anyone a talk show, you know, Ms. TV has been on forever. And it is what it is at this point. I still have faith that the Miz at one point could be better, but it is what it is at this point. I think you give Billy Kay a talk show. You turn Peyton Royce into a big single star and you give Billy Kay a talk show on Raw or SmackDown and you got something. I mean, Billy Kay can be this generation's brother love. You know, Billy Kay... I think can be famous. Billy Kay is a witty performer. She's a good heel. She's got an accent. I mean, come on. What more do you need? If on if on SmackDown you had Peyton Royce just tearing up the singles division, and on Raw you had Billy Kay hosting the Billy Kay show, or vice versa, money, baby. License to print money. So that's probably where I would go to tell you the truth. Oscar beats Mickey James. Maybe Asuka beats Natalia. Although, oh yeah, and then October, you got Hell in a Cell. I wouldn't do it in a Hell in a Cell match, but I, I, would, I would absolutely have Peyton Royce beat Asuka for the Women's Championship. Let's shake it up. Let's get in your face. In your face, you know? And that's what I would have her say, too, in her Australian accent, which I'm not even going to attempt. She'd beat Asuka, and she'd be like, hey, Asuka, in your face. I just won the title. In your face. I think every bad guy that beats a good guy should say that on Raw. Oh, my God. Insult to injury in your face. Then you've got, uh, speaking of bad guys, you got no bad guys in this match. We're doing Drew McIntyre versus Keith Lee, which it's like, okay, I thought we were going to kind of subtly plant the seeds. I felt like the week that Keith Lee debuted, which was three weeks ago, three weeks ago, right? Maybe four at this point. I think three. Um, Keith Lee debuts, and there's that little tension. 
hey, Keith, you know, you're my buddy, but I don't need you interfering in my matches. Hey, Drew, you know, you're my buddy, but I don't need you helping me win matches. You know, like little, little things where you're like, oh, okay, they're friends, but are they friends? Like they're friends, but they both have that same desire to win. They both have that same competitiveness and they're, they both have a similar goal, which is the WWE championship that is right now being held by Drew McIntyre. So eventually these trains are going to meet. I didn't realize it was going to happen in three weeks. We're doing Drew versus Keith Lee. Now, as I've said, Keith Lee to me is still walking that tightrope. Keith Lee is still, you look at NXT and there have been a lot of success, success stories coming from NXT, but there have been a lot of people who have been successful in NXT that have not panned out on the main roster. I think when you look at Keith Lee, uh, we're not getting everything that we can get out of Keith Lee in these matches. I think uh, the pay-per-view win did a lot for him. You know, I think beating Randy Orton at Payback. Did Payback have a tagline? Payback. A week later. I don't think Payback had a tagline. But it didn't need a tagline because people were like, oh, we're, here's what it was. I believe the tagline for Payback was Payback. Oh, we're doing another pay-per-view? Payback. Good thing I got the network. So uh, that was a dominant win, and that did a lot for Keith Lee. But since then, okay, so this will be the fourth week that Keith Lee is here, right? Yeah, this will be the fourth Raw form. Since then, he's taken the RKO twice, which I don't think is a big deal. I think Keith Lee taking an RKO, I mean, I don't know that I love that he took the RKO last week, but I think him taking the RKO in that triple threat leaves the question well, yeah, he took the RKO, but would Randy have pinned Keith Lee? W would Keith Lee have stayed down for a three count? Because when you look at it, Randy hit Keith Lee with the RKO, but then he pinned Seth Rollins. Seth had taken Keith Lee's finish. Randy had given Keith Lee Randy's finish. Randy had more faith in Keith Lee's finish than he had in his own finish. Randy, if he really thought the RKO, his RKO, was the scariest move in wrestling, he would have pinned Keith Lee, but he did not. He had more faith in the damage that Keith Lee had done to Seth, and so he went for the pin on Seth, and that's how he won the match. So I don't mind Keith taking that RKO, because I think that that tells a pretty remarkable story when you eventually get back to the next Randy Orton-Keith uh, Lee match. Uh, who knows, possibly for the WWE Championship, being that Randy's got the shot at uh, Clash of Champions. Uh, but I do think that, I mean, I think the only thing you can do right now is have Keith and Drew end in a schmoz. I, I don't think that there's any feasible way that that match has a real outcome. I think we get a taste of what it could be. I think the match is going to have to be amazing. I think it's going to like, I think what we do in that match is we give people an opportunity to figure out that that's the match that they want to see. And we piss people off by having it ended with a schmoz. I think that that's the way to handle doing Keith Lee versus Drew McIntyre so quickly. Uh, I think that WWE is taking into account that there are a lot of people who, while there are a lot of people who are looking forward to a Keith Lee-Drew McIntyre match, there are also a lot of people who have no idea who Keith Lee is still because they've been exposed to him for all of four weeks. You know, they didn't watch him in NXT. They certainly didn't watch him in Evolve. And while they can go back on the network and they can watch the NXT stuff and now they can watch the Evolve stuff too, they still, you know, how many people are doing that compared to how many people just turn on the USA Network and watch Monday Night Raw? So I think that, that when you're being an optimist, the best thing you can do with that match is... Make it something that people absolutely love. Make it the match of the year. Make it the best match that anybody has seen on Raw for this entire quarantine Thunderdome era. And then have it schmozzed up so you don't know who the winner is. And don't do it like right at a fin like just, you know, 25 minutes in when it's really heating up. That's when you get all schmozzy about it. And that's when it's like, okay, now... I don't know. I mean, I heard that on Monday they said Drew McIntyre's jaw and his hairline fracture might not be healed in time for the pay-per-view, and now he's got a match on Raw. So I'm assuming 
I mean, I'm assuming it's all better. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's how I would handle that. And I think that we've got to see the things that make Keith Lee special in this match. I'm not saying that every single match Keith Lee ever wrestles, he has to do his entire repertoire. But I do think that we still haven't shown the audience that doesn't know Keith Lee enough of why Keith Lee is like a special once-in-a-lifetime type performer, because he is. He really is. But you, people aren't going to take your word for it. And I think we got to prove that to them with this match. And then you've also uh, got Seth Rollins versus Dominic Mysterio in a cage. This is like the opposite. People hear Drew McIntyre versus Keith Lee, they're like, already? People hear Seth Rollins versus Dominic Mysterio, they're like, again? Like, this has to be the end of Seth Rollins versus Dominic Mysterio, I think. It has to be. It has to be. I mean, we've been going since horror show. We've been going since June, and it's September. You know, we've, we've seen it now. Like, I, we've got to see Dominic... If he's going to have a... He did amazing at SummerSlam. Dominic's done amazing every time he's been out. Like, Dominic, for a guy who's only had a handful of matches, and basically every match he's had has been a main event or at least, you know, a high-profile match, whether it be at SummerSlam. I mean, it's, a match with Seth Rollins at SummerSlam, I guess, wasn't the main event, but it was a match with Seth Rollins at SummerSlam. And he knocked it out of the park, right? You got to give him so much credit for that. And, you know, he hasn't failed. He hasn't failed at all. Any segment he's been in, any promo he's had, he really hasn't failed. And he's been uh, expected to perform at the highest standard possible. And he's succeeded. I think, though, that he's got he's to move on, you know? I think that maybe, maybe retribu this is where retribution comes in. I think it's, it's finally time to unmask retribution or at least have them become... A physical thing. So here's what I'm looking for on Raw. Because that match too. Like I mean I guess you could just have Dominic win. Because he can escape the cage. Right? He doesn't have to pin Seth Rollins. He can just escape the cage. And theoretically the cage match is the blow off match. Historically in wrestling. So maybe that would be it. But I, I don't need it. I mean I watched Buddy Murphy get his ass handed to him. By the whole Mysterio family. Mrs. Mysterio just swinging that kendo stick. Like nothing you've ever seen before. But I think that that we've seen it, you know? I think that we're ready to watch Dominic evolve into the performer that he's going to evolve to. Because I have no doubt that Dominic's going to be real, real good. Or gonna, I should say going to continue to be real, real good. But I just think it's something that we actually have to see, you know? And, and in order to see that, it can't just be in matches with Buddy or Seth. It's, we got we to move beyond just that. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But the things that I think we have to be looking out for on Raw beyond those matches, Raw in your in your face, Raw, in your face, because that could happen. Maybe Randy Orton comes in and he RKO's Drew and he RKO's Keith. And then he looks at both of them and he goes, in your face and in your face, I'll see you at Clash of the Champions, a gold rush. And then Seth Rollins could beat Dominic Mysterio. What would he say to him? In your face! Maybe. Uh, I would imagine uh, Buddy Murphy. Uh, Murphy. He's not Buddy Murphy. He's just Murphy. I would imagine Murphy's going to get involved uh, at some point in that match. Maybe not on Seth's side, though, after getting that ass kicking from the Mysterio family. Um, but I think the two storylines we have to be looking at for Raw right now are... Uh, Cedric, uh, basically the two faction storylines, Cedric joining uh, the Hurt Business and Retribution. So let's start with Retribution, and I wouldn't be surprised if Retribution got involved in the Dominic Mysterio-Seth Rollins match. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, I, I think it would be really cool if Buddy Murphy left Seth and unmasked himself as the leader of Retribution. I think that could be awesome. I don't know. I, you know, I'm not really ready for Seth Rollins to have a babyface turn. But I do think that it would be awesome to see Buddy Murphy as the leader of Retribution. Look, you know, Retribution was as... It felt like as much of a wrestling act as they've been last week on Raw. That's not necessarily a bad thing either. I mean, I know people have been critical 
of retribution for it not being like real. Like, oh, well, apparently they can control the screens and apparently they're not getting arrested. It's like, we know they work for WWE. They don't like WWE, but we know they're a wrestling faction. We know they work there. Like you don't, they're not, that they're not purported to be anything else. And the promo that we witnessed on Raw last week was Retribution talking about how they were mistreated in WWE. So clearly they're WWE employees that don't like the way they've been treated in WWE. Um, I think uh, the one uh, who was looking straight at the camera, the one closest to the camera, uh, not talking, uh, I think that that was Mia Yim. Uh, I feel like the tallest one in the back, the one that spoke at the end, with the super shredder mask on was uh, Dominic Dijakovic. Um, I think that you're going to need not to not just have NXT talent in there, though. Look, I think I think retribution needs to be all people who are like young. I think WWE could do with some youth in high profile positions. And I think they need to be young. I think that they need to be disruptors. I think they need to be a group of people that uh, we're, we're as fans looking at them going like, oh boy, you know what I mean? They're, they're kind of right about some of this, this stuff. And then we let them go with it, you know? On Raw, there's really no one to stop it from happening. When you look at Nexus, what really stopped Nexus in its tracks was that we weren't ready to, and we, meaning the WWE, like, you know, you weren't ready to make them look better than John Cena for whatever reason. There's nobody like that. On Raw, I mean, Drew McIntyre is a new champion. He's not this, like, established guy. Like, there's nobody on Raw who it's like, well, that's the Golden Goose. You could say on SmackDown that's Roman Reigns since he's back. But on Raw, there's no, there's a top guy, but there's not a guy who's Golden Goose. There's not a guy who it's like, that one guy is the draw. Hogan was the draw. He was the Golden Goose. Austin was the draw. He was the Golden Goose. The Rock also became, there was a period of time there were two Golden Geese. Wild. Wacky times. Uh, John Cena was the draw. He was the golden goose. Roman Reigns, whether you like to admit it or not, was the draw, was the golden goose. There isn't one right now on Raw. So with that said, I think you're in the best possible position for Retribution to really do something. However, they have to do something. You know, I think it's, uh, it's time for them to unmask and it's time for them to tell their story. Like, give me something I can get behind. Because ultimately, as I'm watching this, I'm going like, you know, clearly when you announce all these matches so far in advance, you put all these good matches on one show, high-profile matches on one show, uh, you give the show a tagline like in your face. You There was some discussion on reforming Monday Night Raw. They thought the show needed to be revamped, at least for this week. I think that's what I gather from from what we're seeing. Um, but for me, as a fan, I don't think that the answer to getting more people to be focused on Raw and paying attention to Raw long term is having main event matches on every week because you're going to run out of these matches. You're doing, all told, Seven hours of TV a week, one to two pay-per-views a month. You know, it, it's 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 plus all the other content you're filling. It's impossible. It's impossible to have that many main event matches that you can do multiple main event matches every single week on every show and then also on pay-per-views. You can't do it. I think that that all the energy. I think you need high-profile matches. You definitely do, and it, this will help. I think. You know, this will have people watching this week. But I think ultimately you need to put a ton of energy into telling compelling stories. And it needs to not be about who is this guy wrestling next week. It needs to be about I'm watching to find out what is going to happen with this next week. I am so compelled by this story. I need to find out. Retribution to me can be an act that does that. Retro, like, like for Randy Orton, for example, on his quest to win the WWE championship. It shouldn't just be about, hey, tune in this week because we got this big Randy Orton match. It should be Randy Orton has been such a force to be reckoned with 
Randy Orton has been doing so much compelling stuff on WWE TV that I have got to watch Raw this week just to see what Randy's going to do. And that goes for a lot of talent. But I think that that's where retribution comes into play. I think that we need to meet retribution. We need to put names to faces. We need to be told exactly what they're doing. Because right now it's like, yeah, it's cool when retribution's on. But it's just a bunch of folks in ninja suits just like, you know, messing things up. You don't know exactly why or what or where it's going. And, and you know, a couple of weeks of that is good. But you can't do that for months. Let's find out. Let's see who they are. And let's start telling this story. I mean, realistically, I think like the, 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 that's why the Sasha Banks Bailey stuff has been so compelling, not because of the matches that they've been having, but because of the stories that they've been telling. You will watch a Sasha Banks Bailey segment just because I want to see what Sasha Banks and Bailey are going to do. You know, like, like I was sitting there watching SmackDown this week going, I am looking forward to the Bailey segment. I enjoyed last week's Bailey turning on Sasha Banks and breaking her face in a chair. I want to watch this week. I want to watch Bailey. I don't need her to have a match. I don't need her to have a confrontation. I don't need a contract signing. I don't need a main event. I don't need any of that. I would like to hear why Bailey decided to turn on Sasha Banks. I'm interested in it. And that's where you need to be. Where people will tune in to go like, no, I'm tuning in to find out what's going to happen next. This isn't like sports. This isn't like, oh, I got to tune in this week because the two best football teams are playing each other. And who knows who's going to win? You could do that sometimes. But in terms of week to week, you got to program this like The Walking Dead. I'm watching because I got to find out what's going to happen next. I'm watching because I'm thinking about the story. And Retribution is the perfect act to do a story-heavy thing. And hopefully they will. You know, I'm, I'm very, very interested in it. You know, I, I think they gave us a little taste. And they were disruptive. You know, they ended that uh, uh, handicap match. So we don't know who would have won. But and we saw the logo and everything, which is cool. But ultimately, it's like, you know, who knows? Are they the type of group where they've got disgruntled employees? Is there a disgruntled employee in the TV truck that queued that up for them? Maybe. Maybe. I like disgruntled employees. I find disgruntled employees to be very, very interesting. I'd like to know who they are, though. I'd like to find out who's rabble-rousing out there. And then you've also got uh, Cedric Alexander and the uh, Hurt Business thing. I really hope, you know, and they were painting this in a way where you didn't really trust Cedric. Like, he kind of made his choice out of nowhere, and then he never really said that he was making the choice. It was just a, a, an awkwardness. I really hope that they're not going to have Cedric just turn on the Hurt Business and just make fools out of him. Because I think Cedric in the Hurt Business is the best thing for Cedric. I like the idea of almost like a, a, a Farouk, Rock, Nation of Domination relationship happening between Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. I like the idea of Shelton kind of being unsure of Cedric Alexander, but really that's because he's jealous, because Cedric is younger, because Cedric is more athletic, because Cedric is getting the attention, you know? And what about me? What about Shelton? Like, I, I, I like that, but I like the idea of eventually them throwing Shelton out and, you know, giving the big boost to Cedric Alexander because, you know, Cedric could use, that's what I mean. Cedric's a young guy. Cedric could use the boost. Cedric is a guy who's not one of these, you know, pillars that have been in the company forever. I think that that Shelton Benjamin is the perfect guy to use to raise the stock of Cedric Alexander. I liked what I saw of Cedric Alexander on Monday. I liked the heel stuff that he was doing. I liked the stuff he was doing on Mike. Obviously, in the ring, he's incredible. But I think Cedric Alexander in the Hurt Business and kind of getting under people's skin because they're not better than he is, and he kind of knows that they're not better than he is, I like the idea of Cedric being a heel in the Hurt Business and being a little too big for his britches. That's what I would do.
That's what I think is good. Hopefully, that's what we'll see on Monday. Hey, uh, speaking of Monday, this is kind of a story coming off on of SmackDown, but Mandy Rose is now a Raw superstar. Otis remains on SmackDown. Mandy Rose is now a Raw superstar, uh, which, you know, I mean, we haven't seen Mandy Rose on TV since SummerSlam. Uh, but the story that they're going with is that the Miz... <laughs> The Miz used his poll to have Mandy traded to Raw because that way uh, he could get under Otis's skin, I guess. I, I don't know. You know, I, I didn't realize Miz had that kind of pull. You know, you would think that he'd, he'd be putting himself in better matches if he had that kind of pull, but I don't know. Um, I'm, not, I'm not thrilled. I wasn't thrilled about that news. I mean, clearly they look at Mandy as a star. Clearly they look at her as somebody who's going to get eyes on the TV. And, and you know, the fact that they did make a story out of this and the fact that Mandy was tweeting and saying, you know, The Miz is a piece of trash and she and Otis are going to stay together. I mean, maybe that was Mandy just going into business for herself and realizing that the Mandy-Otis thing is just so money that she doesn't want it to fall by the wayside. Um, and so maybe she just did that or maybe WWE was like, no, this is part of a bigger story. Just give it a second, which I'm always all for that, by the way. You know, a lot before we judge anything, I'm always all for giving stuff a second. When I give my opinion here, my opinion could easily, I'm always ready for my opinion to be swayed. Right now, I'm saying I don't like the fact that Mandy Rose is on Raw. But I'm ready to turn on Raw tonight, see where they're going, kind of get a hint that, oh, this is actually to further the Otis storyline, not to take away from it, and go, okay, no, I do like this now. I'm always ready to change my opinion. But right now? It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. I mean, there has not been, I, but it's also like kind of par for the course with what's been happening because when I, it, I feel like I did that rant on my, on the show about how, and I put it up on, on the not Sam wrestling YouTube channel too, about how, uh, Otis needs to be, this is before Roman came back. Roman coming back definitely complicates things. Um, but how I thought Otis should, that I, I thought The Fiend should do the J-O-B. Braun Strowman keeps the title. Braun Strowman gets destroyed by The Fiend after the match. Otis cashes in. Otis becomes the champion. Because to me, I'm telling you, man, and they did the pose at SummerSlam and everything. I mean, I think that Otis and Mandy are, they could be this generation's Randy and Liz. But... I almost feel like WWE heard the podcast and they were like, let's screw with Sam a little bit. Let's hurt his feelings. Let's get in that, uh, that little brain of his. Because they did the Macho Man pose, almost as if to say, oh, we know, we heard. And then after SummerSlam, they were like, Otis and Mandy are a who now? Otis and Mandy are what? A couple, you say. Because Mandy, since defeating Sonya DeVille in a Loser Leaves WWE match, Mandy also left WWE. <laughs> I don't know. I never heard of anybody winning a Loser Leaves Town match and then being off TV for four weeks after it. But uh, she was. She has been. Uh, Mandy Rose, I don't think, has been on SmackDown since SummerSlam. Uh, somehow, Tucky is back, which, you know, I don't, no disrespect to Tucky. I don't mind that Tucky's back. I don't mind seeing Otis in the Heavy Machinery tag team thing. But Tucky's back. Otis is back to wrestling in a tag team. Morrison is trying to get the Money in the Bank briefcase. And Mandy's nowhere to be found. I, I, like, I'm living in Bizarro World. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. The whole first half of the summer was, uh, Tucky wasn't even around. I never saw Tucky. Maybe backstage. Maybe words of encouragement. But I was watching Otis singles matches. I saw Otis win the Money in the Bank. I saw Otis beat Dolph Ziggler. I saw Otis, and this was, this was second half of spring going into the first half of the summer. I watched these great vignettes. I watched the Fast Times vignette. I was like really into the idea that Otis and Mandy were a couple. And now I'm watching going like, I guess they're just dating off screen. Because I don't see any of it. And maybe... Maybe they're just like, look, Roman's back. We're doing this thing. Because right now, I agree. Otis 
right now doesn't belong anywhere near the WWE championship scene. There's a like, you know, it's why Big E, I think, is uh, is just taking some time to hang on a second. We're not ready for Big E to be Roman Reigns opponent yet. Like we're just letting it sink in right now that Roman is a heel. Which is fine, you know, I think that, that that's cool. But I still think that we can keep Otis with a certain degree of stock. Like we don't have to just drop it and just have him wrestle tag matches for a while. I feel like he's getting the Kofi Kingston treatment except without ever getting the Kofi Kingston moment. I don't know what happened. But that's why I see this and I'm like, oh, they're just making it official. They're just like Otis and Mandy are just going to be an Instagram couple. But, and it's weird to me when stuff like that happens because I don't know why because I felt like every segment that Otis and Mandy were together in was a home run. I thought all of it was good, you know? I mean, I, I guess they're going to start having Heavy Machinery and Miz and Morrison be at odds with each other because Miz had Otis's girlfriend put on another show. But, like, when something like that happens, if that happens in your life, if you get someone on, on someone at work that's screwing with you, and he's going to the boss and he's suggesting, hey, you should put this guy in a different department. And then the boss does it. I mean, I guess you can get mad at the guy who suggested it. But why don't you get mad at the boss? Why don't you sit there and go up to old uh, Vinnie Mac man and go, hey, Vinnie Mac man. Why the hell are you letting the Miz make the calls here? Why would you let the Miz put my girlfriend on Raw? He's just he's a mid-card wrestler with a talk show. How the hell did he get that kind of power? That's what I would do if I were Otis. But I'm not Otis. You know, I'm I'm much slimmer. Um, so, whatever. I mean, we'll see. But I don't, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not thrilled at all about it. I think that, uh, if anything, Otis and Mandy should be kept together. If you want to turn somebody, if you want to break people up, you could eventually turn Tucky heel because he's jealous that of Otis and Mandy's relationship. But, I mean, I think everything Otis does, Mandy should be involved. I think everything Mandy does, Otis should be involved. You're getting to the place where you're going to be able to have a wedding segment that doesn't get interrupted. You're going to be able to have a wedding segment that has a cake and Otis just gets to eat the cake. It's one of the very few couples in WWE that fans will watch and not want destruction to happen. You know? Which, well, I don't think you should be taken for granted. I think you should be sitting there going like, whoa, we got something here, folks. Look at this. Look at us. But that's not what we're doing. Uh, speaking of SmackDown... Now, this could get interesting. This could play into the Otis and Mandy thing. I love the idea of good-looking women trying to pick up Otis. You know, everybody's sitting there going like, oh, well, Dolph Ziggler's on Raw. Mandy's going to be on Raw. Is Dolph Ziggler going to start hitting on Mandy again? Is Mandy going to end up with one of the dudes from Raw? Is this relationship going to be strong enough that the long-distance thing will work out? Well, I think you should continue to go in the opposite direction. And if you're going to make it seem like one member of that relationship has to be worried about the other being on a different show, I think it's got to be Otis getting hit on, you know? I look at the uh at the at the at the uh stiletto vignette that we're seeing on SmackDown. And I saw somebody uh did a zoom in, you know, with the with the heels and the fur coat and the legs and everything. And somebody did a zoom in on a visible tattoo. And they said it was an arm tattoo and it matched something Carmella had. That's been a big theory that that's Carmella, that Carmella is getting revamped and she's going to come back. Which, you know, I'm not necessarily for. I like Carmella as she is. I think, uh, I mean, you look at what Carmella's done. She really succeeds a lot. Carmella had a great run with Enzo and Cass. She added to it. Enzo and Cass in NXT was a group that was already popular. To add Carmella to it only brought it up. Like, Carmella actually amped up that act, which a lot of times you add a third member and it's like, Bleh. but not Carmella. She amplified it. Carmella and James Ellsworth was a great act. They complimented each other. It was fun. It was entertaining. 
I thought both of them did well. I thought Carmella as holding that women's money in the bank briefcase among the best runs of Carmella's career and established that women's money in the bank briefcase very well, I think. Ultimately, I know people don't like that Ellsworth was the first person to get his hands on it, technically. But I think when you look back on it, you really just look back on the fact that Carmella had a great heel run with the women's money in the bank briefcase. Um, And then I think Carmella and R-Truth. I mean, I think Carmella and Ellsworth established the women's money in the bank briefcase. And I think Carmella and R-Truth established that 24-7 title in the beginning. Carmella and R-Truth were amazing together. Carmella doesn't usually strike out. She really doesn't. She does very well with the people that she's paired with. So, you know, I think it has more to do with just finding something for her to do and not, if it, it, it ain't broke. So if it ain't broke, I don't know why you would try to fix it. I don't I don't think you have to change the Carmella thing. I just need think you need to keep finding people to place her with that, that she can bring out the entertainment in and they can bring out the entertainment in her because historically it's worked every time. Uh, you know, what hasn't worked every time is giving people the the glamour remake and having them come back, you know, as the glamorous beauty. It's actually, I can't think of any time it's worked. Didn't work with Emma, didn't work with Liv Morgan. So, I mean, I guess if anybody can make it work, it's Carmella, but I have to be honest. I might just be, it might just be sour grapes on my part because there is one person that I'm hoping that is. If it's Summer Ray, that's cool. I like Summer Ray. But I would lose my mind. Lose my mind. If that was Eva Marie. I think WWE, if they're going to bring anybody back, bring back Eva Marie. People like Eva Marie, right before she left, was such a good bad guy. She was amazing. She was on such a roll. She ended up leaving, I believe, because she got suspended for 30 days for a wellness policy violation. I think she vehemently disagreed with the suspension, and I think she ended up asking for her release or something like that. I don't. I might be wrong. Don't hold me to that. But she didn't come back after the 30-day suspension, that's for sure. And But, I mean, they worked it into the gimmick and everything. It was like she wouldn't wrestle because, you know, people didn't like her because she wasn't that good in the ring. And instead of trying to win... They just leaned into it and they made it so like Eve Marie would come out and she'd have these huge entrances and, 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 you know, make the, this big deal. And it would be, here's the match and here we go. And then like, oh, she would have a wardrobe malfunction. Like, you know, her strap would come undone. She can't wrestle tonight. Or like, oh, she's got a, or her hamstring would be, would be, she, she got a Charlie horse. She can't wrestle tonight. Or, oh, you know, she would just have lame excuses to not be able to compete, and then she wouldn't compete. And then her last match, I think she was supposed to have a match at SummerSlam, and they just had an announcement come on the PA system that Eve Marie is not competing tonight, or she will not be in the building. And it was just so, I'm above all this Hollywood, that I, the character was just working great. People wanted to boo her, and they gave her a reason, and I, I don't know, I thought it was very entertaining. I thought it was compelling. I loved the idea of bringing Eva Marie back and then having Eva Marie take advantage of Otis. Let Eva Marie be the girl that we were all worried Mandy Rose was. When we start when they started this story between Mandy Rose and Otis, I think there was a worry that uh there was a worry that that it was going to be that sort of pretty girl messing with the guy who is out of her league. You know, that she's just, she's going to turn into a heel who's just using Otis. And it became so refreshing because it wasn't that. It was, like, legit. And it was truthful. And 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 it just felt good. Like, it felt good to watch. It was fun. I love the idea now. Now Otis thinks that that's the league that he's dating in. So Eva Marie comes back. You know, you think... Mandy Rose is, 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 you know, the golden goddess. Well, Eva Marie is the perfect 10. So Eva Marie comes back, and the first thing that she starts doing is hitting on Otis. And it's really just because, you know, Otis has the money in the bank briefcase. Otis has the potential to win the title. And with that comes the champion's purse. 
Otis is potentially looking at making a whole bunch of money. So either Eva Marie is trying to get her hands on Otis so that she can be associated with the top act in the company, or she's trying to get that money in the bank briefcase for herself. She's trying to get that contract for herself so she can give it to somebody else that she actually wants to give it to. But I, I think there, there would be no more perfect person than Eva Marie to fill that role. I think it would surprise people. I think that, uh, you know, I, I, just, I just think it would be good. I think it would be really entertaining, and I think it would be fun. That's the move that I would make. That's the move that I want to see happen. You know, Summer Rae is a possibility. I don't, you could technically do the same thing with Summer Rae. I just, uh, to me, there's just something, Eva Marie, who I'm sure is an amazing person in real life, just can pull off bad guy really well, really, really well. She can pull off that role and I, I think she should do it, you know come out as a reality TV pioneer, first season of Total Divas, rubbing it in everybody's face. I, y y yeah. I I want her back, and I want her to be the leggy person that we keep seeing on SmackDown. Um, and then finally on SmackDown, you had uh, Alexa Bliss adding more uh, dreadlocks to her hair and then uh, inevitably dropping Nikki Cross with the sister Abigail. Uh, Nikki Cross still getting the victory, though. Um, which leads me to believe that they're pushing towards uh, Nikki Cross as a good guy, Alexa Bliss as a kind of fiend girl type thing. Um, I think it's good, actually, right now that they're doing uh, The Fiend and Alexa separate. That uh, as it stands, that the two storylines, like this story of Alexa being infatuated with The Fiend, and what The Fiend is doing are two totally separate things. The Fiend, theoretically, has no idea any of this is even going on, right? Like, The Fiend, he couldn't care less about any of this. Uh, you know, he's too busy worrying about trying to get his title back, worrying about Roman Reigns, worrying about all that stuff. Meanwhile, Alexa Bliss is obsessed with this guy. So I actually think it adds uh, levels of just, just, just intricacies. I think that it adds levels to the story where you're at this point where you're like, oh, like, so that there's something going on in the back of your mind. You can watch one story, and as you're watching the story, there's something else going on in the back of your mind. Ultimately, I mean, that's why I think SmackDown is the better show right now in terms of SmackDown or Raw, because you've got the stories. Because SmackDown has Sasha and Bailey. SmackDown had Otis and, and Mandy. SmackDown has The Fiend and Alexa. SmackDown has Roman and Paul Heyman. And that's what I mean. Like, you're not... Think about why you're watching SmackDown. You're not watching SmackDown. They didn't even announce that Roman Reigns had a match. We didn't even know that was happening. And when he did, it was a match that he barely even showed up for. It was a tag match, you know. But the Paul Heyman-Roman Reigns story is interesting. The idea that Jey Uso is being used in the way Jey Uso is being used is interesting. It's compelling. Sasha Banks and Bailey is compelling. Mandy and Otis, compelling. That's why I want Eva Marie to come back. Compelling, compelling, compelling. Compelling is the word of the day. I think the Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross stuff is compelling. And I know you go, whoa, they're breaking up every single team. And while that's true, you know, I, I felt like this team has already been broken up for a while. You know, I, I feel like they've been on borrowed time. We all knew this was coming. I don't think anybody actually sat there and considered Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross uh, a team right now. And so I don't think it shocked the world that Alexa Bliss turned on Nikki Cross I think that what was interesting, what was surprising, what was the thing that you talk about later is the fact that Alexa's got dreadlocks in her hair and she's dropping Nikki Cross with the sister Abigail. That's the interesting thing. That's what's compelling. That's what's going to get you to tune in next week. I don't care who Alexa Bliss is wrestling next week. I don't care. I want to see what's happening with Alexa Bliss. I want to see the furthering of her character. And it feels like Raw is far more, I mean, while there are stories, it's far more 
action, match-driven. And SmackDown is far more story-driven. And the stories are what's going to work, man. The stories are what does it. I think that, like, Raw Underground. Raw Underground, I think it can be good. But Raw Underground is good as a storytelling device. Raw Underground is good when you're sitting there and and you're going like, oh, this is leading to something. You know, to have Raw Underground, when you break it up too much, when you're just doing it for like two minutes at a time, and it's like the, the Kevin Owens, Aleister Black thing. Number one, I think people are all still confused as to why Aleister Black turned heel at all. Like there was no pro, like give us some, put some meat on this bone before we sit down to this plate of wings, you know? It's not a phrase, but I think it should be. <laughs> but I think that that when you look at Raw Underground, it's got to be a thing where it's not just segments of Alistair and Kevin Owens fighting each other for a while are sprinkled in while other stuff is going on. It's got to be a strict storytelling device. I think that, you know, that, that this should be a place where if it's happening, I don't think there should be so much interchangeability. I think if it's happening in Raw Underground, it stays in Raw Underground. And when something comes out of Raw Underground, that's when it's like, oh boy, here it comes. You know, I think that you should have guys like Dolph Ziggler who pretty much stays in Raw Underground. Uh, I think, you know, Alistair Black, I think the way to do that would be to have Alistair Black lay out Kevin Owens and then have Alistair Black spend some time in Raw Underground. And not just so he can get laid out by the big guy, but so Alistair Black can show off his kickboxing stuff. So Alistair Black can show off what he's really capable of. And I think Kevin Owens should be on a, on a hunt over the course of weeks that is, hey, Alistair, come on out of, of the underground. Come out of the underground, Alistair. Come out of the underground, Alistair. And eventually, if Alistair won't come out of the underground, Kevin goes, fine, I'm coming in. And then we stay on that. And then we have a real grudge being settled. You know? I think you have Kevin Owens go up to the bouncer. Hey, man. I mean, there's a bouncer outside the door. If everybody's allowed into Raw Underground, why is Shane McMahon's giant tall friend hanging out outside that door? And who is he bouncing? If he's security, he should be on the other side of the door. If everybody's allowed in, then he should be in there making sure, I mean, maybe he's just making sure those background dancers don't come back, which if that's his job, then job well done because that was to me the one negative part of the introductory segment of Raw Underground. But Raw Underground can be something that we look forward to. I, I have had raw, raw shows where I'm looking forward to the Underground, but I think it's it's got to exist almost in a separate universe. It's got to be its own thing tucked away over here. And once you, you're either in or you're out. And I think you should you should have guys stuff happening in the raw underground that eventually spills out, but let it build in the raw underground. Let it build and then let it spill out, I think. That's me though. That's the way uh that's the way I would do it. That's the way we would do it here on Not Sam Wrestling. You know? I want to thank everybody, by the way, who's been uh Contributing over on the Patreon, patreon.com slash wrestling. Of course, we got so much fun stuff happening right before we recorded this show. Uh, the Hall of Fame level, uh, Not Sam Shills at patreon.com slash wrestling. We're invited into a brainstorm sesh where we spent about 30 minutes just talking on Zoom and talking about what's going on in wrestling right now and figuring out what to talk about on the podcast this week. Um you know, we, every pay-per-view, every pay-per-view that I'm not hosting a WWE pre-show for, we're in a Zoom room talking about the pay-per-view before it comes on the air. Of course, you get the podcast early. Of course, you get the podcast ad-free. Of course, you get the bonus podcast, Thursday, Not Sam Thursday, every single Thursday, a second Not Sam Wrestling, and access to the Discord room. All those things you get for less than a dollar a week. Then there's all the extra stuff. There's the Zoom chats. There's getting the videos that get published on YouTube. First, on the Not Sam Wrestling page. There's getting access to watch the podcast being recorded live. I turn the cameras on. These podcasts are generally, for the most part, live to tape. 
There will be no edits in today's podcast. I hit record on my on my deal. I start talking. I hit stop. I publish it. Production's right here on buttons. There is no editing going on, which means that there are people on the Not Sam Wrestling Patreon getting to watch the entire podcast live as they get to do every single week. Only if you're a Not Sam Shill over at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. Uh, so thank you guys. Appreciate all of you. Uh, and uh, we'll be on Patreon on Thursday and back here on Monday with another episode of Not Sam Wrestling. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.